Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Slate's Working Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every payment method with one simple integration. Plus, we'll give you your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com working. And by The Message, a new podcast series from GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'll be following a team of elite cryptographers as they decode a highly classified radio transmission. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. The Message on iTunes. Hey, Panoply listener, looking for more podcasts for your playlist? Check out the Vulture TV podcast for great discussion about the latest TV shows, or check out Sex Lives for fascinating conversations about sex. You can find them on iTunes, panoply.fm, or on your favorite podcasting app. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Arun Vanagopal, host of WNYC's Micropolis series, which looks at issues of race and identity. On today's episode, we talk with someone who can turn mere commoners into fabulous stars of the stage and screen. What's your name and what do you do? Uh, my name is Bernie Telsey and I'm a casting director. And how long have you, d- have you done this? Let's say almost 30 years. So you had you spent much of your childhood being exposed to the industry? Yeah, you know, I used to when I was a... I mean, I sort of fell in love with it in high school, really. And I knew I wanted to go into the theater. At first it was to act until I started quickly seeing other aspects of the theater, and I wasn't quite sure what that meant, whether it was to run a theater, be backstage, work on props, stage management. But I sort of knew that I wanted to pursue it as a career. Were there certain productions that really made the difference, that, like, really clicked for you? That Do you have, like, a eureka moment at any point in your life? Probably, like, working on the high school variety show, because I was in the theater club at that time, and I was one of the seniors. I was in charge of directing and producing and putting the whole show together. And I think at that moment, getting the whole 12th grade, not only the theater, you know, geeks, but the jocks and all the other departments to be involved in this school production because it's our big fundraiser, you know, it was that kind of a thing, was probably one of those eureka moments where it was like, I can do this and I really can help change people's lives, as, you know, as corny as that sounds. It's not a small thing for somebody who's in their teens to be able to actually get the jocks and various constituencies involved in something like that to persuade them, but you actually had that sort of like that force. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't think I did, but yes, and I feel like it's the same thing I have now. It's a lot of chutzpah and a lot of conniving, convincing, and selling, <laughs> which is all part of casting, is selling and convincing and conniving. <laughs> so I think it all started back then. 
And here you are with this, uh, I guess, this view of Times Square, the, the theater district. How long you been here? Uh, I've been in this space 10 years this spring. Before that, we used to be on a space on 28th Street. And uh, it's great because we have all of our casting studios here. We have uh, six casting studios. So at any given moment, you might have Wicked in one room or a Jonathan Demi movie in the next or an NBC television show in the next room or commercials. Yeah, I saw Captain Morgan's some sort of, uh, you know, uh, drink, uh, I guess, a casting call, right? Yeah, that's a commercial that's going on now. I mean, there's always something going on here, and it's wonderful because the lobby is filled with, you know, whether it be 20 actors or 200 actors, it's it's a really sort of great environment. And at the same time, I think it's comfortable for the actors because we try to make it really relaxed. And then, you know, back here is where the 20 some odd staff members sit and, you know, we're all casting something. What is it that you really like about this job and what do you hate about it? Finding the right actor for the right role or finding the right artist to work with the right team is a thrill. You know, it's sort of like, you know, winning the lotto every day. You know, I mean, because our job is to know the talent and we're watching theater, movies, television every night of the week, basically looking for new talent, looking for you know, actors who can fit a certain role. And when you find that right match based on what the creative team told you they were looking for, it's a great thrill. It's like really being a matchmaker. So you're constantly having to be out there, going to plays, going to musicals, sitting at home on your sofa watching TV. Is that right? Oh, yeah. You're always looking for actors. I mean, you're always people watching. You're always... Because, you know, you feel like whenever there's an actor you don't know, you're missing something. You know, because, oh, my God, there's another brilliant person who could maybe be right for something that I'm casting. And because we're an office that casts so many different kinds of things, even if they're working on another job, they can still be maybe available for what we're doing, which doesn't start until another two months. You know, it's it's a constant Rubik's Cube or, you know, finding the right puzzle piece. You know, just like for an artist, all the different paint colors are their tools. For us, it's actors. Hasn't your job gotten a lot harder when there's just so much programming product? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much product and there's so much work out there. So everyone's employed. I mean, I know the statistics and there's still so many unemployed actors, but everybody's working because there's so much more activity happen, not just in film and TV, but theater as well. So that's what's made the job really hard at the same time. The internet and the accessibility has made it so much easier because now we can see actors in Australia and in London within five minutes. It's not the days of even FedEx where it took two days. Everything is accessible to us, which means, oh my, we need to know who those actors are in Asia now. We need to know who those actors are in Australia. So tell me in terms of the openness, in terms of the cultural openness and how you and the industry have shifted from, say, the 1980s or 90s to now. I mean, recently we see that, say, The King and I, you know, are different kinds of casting decisions. Or on TV, you see Priyanka Chopra, this Bollywood actress, who's now going to be the star of Quantico, which is... Huge. You know, it's huge. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, the whole diverse issue. I mean, it's always been on the forefront of casting directors because even when I started this in the 80s, they were seeing diverse actors all the time for plays they were doing up at Yale Rep or... But... The casting directors can only go so far. We, you know, for us, we always were into it because guess what? It just meant we had that many more actors to choose from. You know, just like the way you like a crayon box of 64 colors is better than the 32 colors when you were a kid because you had more choices. So for us, it was always, we were always doing that, but we're only part of the 
situation. You know, we know the actors, we bring them in, but we don't actually do the final, final hiring. But now the directors and the writers and more importantly, the producers want it. You know, not only is it PC, it's who your audience is. So if we don't have, you know, it's no longer like in the 80s and 90s, oh, it was cool to have a, a non-white person in your project. Now it's like, you're crazy if you're not doing it because who's your audience? Who, you know, the whole population is cross now. You know what I mean? It's no longer white America. So, But the audience in Broadway is still relatively white, correct? I mean, uh, the, the statistics have not gotten a lot better in the last five or ten years. Oh, I think they've gotten better. I mean, I, I don't follow the statistics of the audience. I mean, God knows the audience of movies and television is not just white anymore, which is why film and TV, especially television, has broadened its base. <laughs> but Broadway, I mean. Uh, you know, well, Broadway is, was always ahead of the game as far as the diversity issues go because it was live theater and people in the theater were always like, you know, ahead of the time, you know. Uh, sure, it's so, unfortunately, it's so damn expensive that I think it's still primarily a white audience that is going. But I don't know. It just seems like more and more of recent shows like Hamilton and shows like Color Purple and shows are much more diverse, that are bringing in those audiences. I feel like it's changed. It just needs to change more in the audience. But on stage, it's been completely successful. These are considered, I mean, yeah. Hamilton, I guess, it's not just to the people I know who are, you know, raving about it and who are really excited about it and feel like this is something that's a game changer, but it's also in the industry, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, our office cast that show and it's been great to work with. But, you know, that's the credit to Lynn and Tommy, the creators, because that's not about the casting office being smart and clever and bringing in diverse actors. That's about them as, as writers and authors and directors demanding it, saying, we want to tell that story. And yet now everybody is like, oh, why am I not doing that? You know, so it's a real game changer as far as broadening other productions, whether it be film, television, or theater, to do the same thing. Over the course of your career, have you seen a change in terms of the audience, the energy that's in there with just changing demographics and the like? Or is it pretty much Broadway's been Broadway? Maybe that's a very subtle question. Or yeah, it's a subtle question. I mean, I do feel like with each year I'm on working on Broadway, the audiences are getting younger. Sure, they're incredibly older than you know other, other mediums like film and television, but they are getting younger. I mean, I think shows that started 15 years ago, like Rent, that segued into Fun Home that, you know, of today or the Hamiltons of today, they're bringing in younger audiences. I mean, there's much cooler things on Broadway. Rent was one of your early yeah, major... Yeah, that was, that was your Broadway big deal, show. right? Yeah, yeah, that was our first Broadway show that really sort of put our office on the map. So tell me about that. That's considered a landmark, um, not just in terms of... Well, it was inter- the Hamilton of its time, so to speak, because it was diverse. It was watching all these different nationalities and ethnicities, and it was telling a story that you didn't necessarily ever see on Broadway. You know, oh, it was the Lower East Side. Oh, people were dying. But it's a musical, you know, so it really was the game changer of its time in 96. This episode of Working is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Then why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. Add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. 
And if some other way to pay comes along, we'll support that too. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, visit braintreepayments.com slash working. How does a particular casting assignment begin? You know, we first get a script if there is one, or a draft, or we try to spend as much time with the authors and the director and the producer so we can get inside their head and find out, okay, tell me about what you're looking for. You know, whether it was talking to Jonathan Larson and Michael Greif on Rent or, you know, talking to Jonathan Demme on, you know, Ricky in the Flash movie. You know, you try to get inside, tell me about this. Are you open to all nationalities? Is this a man? Is this a girl? Is this, what kind of person is this? What, you know, what do they have to sing? What do they have to act? You try to read the material and find out how important is this part? Is it a lead? Is it a small part? You know, all those kind of things, whether it be a film or a television or, or a theater. And then, you know, you start making lists and whether it's making star lists that might actually do the project or it's a star list for prototypes just to try to get inside the head of the creative team. And then depending on what the project is, you have a sense of who the kinds of people are that are going to do this. You know, is it non-stars? Is it discoveries? Is it stars? And then you start doing lists and you start trying to narrow down who you might want to make an offer to or if it's something oh my God, is this something we're going to do auditions for? And it's not about lists. It's about just doing days and days of auditions and bringing in your favorite 20-year-olds or your favorite 40-year-olds. And, you know, you sit around with your staff and your, your team of casting directors on each project and you start sussing out who to audition. And, you know, part of the joy is doing auditions of people we don't know because it was an idea that an agent suggested or it was an idea of, oh, I saw this person in a class or I saw this person on Blacklist last week. They might be right for this. You know, and you you have to use, as much as we want to have the idea ahead of time, for us it's to use the audition process, to use the casting process to find out who that is because we need our time. You know, I can't always tell the director, this is who should play your part. Sure, you always have that idea, But then again, we know so many good ideas. So how do you determine who should get the part? And you've got to do the audition process, and you've got to have that time creatively to sift through who it might be. Are there times where either out here in your lobby or out on the street, there's a line of actors lined up, and you're just walking by that on the on your way into the casting on into auditions and you just sense something is there something ever ephemeral that you feel like there's something here yeah i mean it's hard to describe and people have asked that before i mean we just did all these open calls you know for the whiz uh the live television and you know we were looking for an 18 19 year old girl and we'd already seen all the girls we knew and it wasn't going to be one of them so we were doing open calls and Someone walks in a room and just starts talking to you or just starts singing and you do have that aha moment of, oh my God, it's her. I feel it. And then your job becomes, okay, how to, make, how to help make them better and now how to get the whole creative team behind them because you got to get the director to fall in love. you got to get the producer to fall in love. you got to get the network to fall in love. You know, it's, that's the hard process. We're constantly having actors come in fulfilling that aha moment even though there's many times more than one choice but most of the time there's not you know there's just something about the right match of the right person just wondering when it comes to that idea of immersing yourself in a character is the craft regarded in a different way than it might have 30 years ago 
I don't know about that because I feel like because information is so accessible and there's so many avenues, I think it's only introduced the younger generations to what performing can really be. Because at the same time, I feel like I know this for a fact that universities and the training school programs are vast now. There's so many more and they're all filled. So it isn't like all these young kids are walking down the street thinking they're going to be discovered like Marilyn Monroe. They are going to school. They are being trained. I mean, as much as there might be hundreds and hundreds going to reality show television shows to try to be famous, they're also studying. People know that if you want to have a lasting career as an actor, you have to train. What's your advice? Do you have advice for people um, who are about to audition? Is there Are there certain things that you think that they need to do or avoid? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always say to an actor starting out, be prepared. And you might go, well, what does that mean? You know, know what it is you're auditioning for. Know the material. Be a detective. Find out as much as you possibly can about it. Learn it. Read it. Don't just wing it. You know, and I feel like so many times actors take for granted that it is a job interview. It is, you know, the audition process. It is a business. And everybody wants you to be professional and everybody wants. And to remember, there's just as many people who are going to be, you know, if you're not going to be prepared, if you're not going to really pay attention, whether it's two pages of dialogue or 20 pages of dialogue, there will be another actor who will be. There are so many people auditioning for every role that you've got to stand out. And how you stand out is if you're really prepared so that you can do what it is that you do, which is act and have an emotional connection and have a vulnerability and have, make choices. It's not just about being present. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s. Have you listened to it yet? Not yet. Uh, we're having a discussion about that. But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now, uh, sounds like a no. Well, we don't really know what it is. Voices, music, breathing. But, you know, I'm not going to mess with that thing. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. Subscribe to The Message on iTunes. When you're watching movies or TV or anything else, are you constantly thinking like, hmm, is this how I would have cast it? You know, you're, I'm always at the positive end of like, oh my God, there's someone else I don't know and I could know and I should know and what can I put them in? You know, I'm always sort of falling in love, you know, whether it be with someone who's got five lines or someone who's a lead. And then, of course, we're all human, so then there are times where you watch something and go, really? That's who was chosen? But, you know, not having worked on that project, there could have been a hundred different reasons why. Do you ever, like, for instance, right now there's this debate about, I mean, there's always a debate about, say, James Bond, the next James Bond, oh, Idris Elba, Two Street, or whatever. Do you ever think, like, oh, you know who'd be perfect for James Bond? I haven't done that one yet. My son keeps doing that because he's a huge James Bond fan. I keep giving him the task of, who would you cast? Who would he? Uh, he hasn't really said, but he was open to an African-American. You know, I was just testing him because I actually think Idris would be amazing. I mean, just knowing 
the body of work that he has done. He's not too straight and too urban. He's so good. Uh, I mean, he's super sophisticated, right? I mean, yeah, he'd be great. He'd be great, and it'd be really exciting. Uh, But you know, how do you how do you think it would how do you think it would change our sense of somebody that iconic fifty or sixty years of that? What would it do for that character? You know, I, I feel like James Bond has so much identity as those two words that whoever you put in the clothes and you put in the situation after 10 minutes you're going to be fine you know i mean like i feel like that character is so larger than life i mean i don't think there's been a character that's lasted as long right from the novels to the what 50 years of movies easily movies over 50 years and I watch them all because I have a 26-year-old and a 15-year-old, you know, and they all might have their favorites. But they don't even really have a favorite Bond as they have a favorite Bond movie. So as good as all those guys are, that's not fair to say it doesn't matter. But I feel like you would adapt if they were a good actor rather than like, oh, is he Bond-like? Because you could look at all the different Bonds and they're all so different. But yet they worked. When it comes to there's all these kids, you know, coming into the business, do you, do you think that there's a particular risk uh, or challenge when it comes to getting children into acting, like in terms of exposing them at a very young age to it, to this business? I think it's, I mean, listen, if there's a family that has an 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old that really wants to be in this business, go for it. You know, understanding, as I always talk to those parents, it's not just about, I want to make my kid famous, you know, start having that kid train and start having that kid take classes and go to those auditions and go to the, all those things. And, you know, there's amazing young actors out there. This young girl that we cast in the intern movie, I just saw the premiere the other night. She's unreal. So good for her, you know. But I'm very supportive of, you know, the parents have to be available to show up at the drop of a hat at the audition. You know, there's a whole lifestyle that changes. But I think if you have a kid in your game to do it, why not? And the kid wants to do it. You can't make a kid do it. It's really hard work, and it's really long hours, and it's a lot of sitting around. But if there are kids who like doing that, God bless. Do you ever have people who are like, Bernie, please tell my kid not to do this. This is crazy. They're going to be starving. You know, I, I don't uh, want this to happen. No, because I'm going to get into that <laughs> politics of that family. But I have had parents say, please tell my kid what it's like. You know, and I, I'm not going to sit here and make it flowery or I'm not going to make it negative but I'm I want them to know this is what you have to be used to as I say to every kid that I you know when I do these classes at the universities and the schools there's nothing better and it's a wonderful opportunity career and environment but you're choosing a profession where all day long part of your job is to get rejected and rejection doesn't mean you're bad Sure, if you're rejected for six years in a row, maybe you're not good. But I know a million Tony Award-winning, Oscar-winning actors who are still rejected. Like, because that's part of, you know, just like when you go to the dentist every day, it's going to hurt. Whether you take gas, whether you take Novocaine, whether you don't do, whether you do it bare, it's not pleasant. There's nothing, you know, joyful about having your teeth drilled. That's what I say to actors. It's like you are being rejected every day. What you have to do is not take it personally and not let it sink in. You have to just go, I didn't get that job. 
reject, I didn't reject you. I didn't reject your soul, your talent. I just didn't cast you. Or not me, but you just didn't get cast. Because otherwise, if you give it any meaning, that's when it's going to get in the way of you being the artist that you want to be. Do you think that uh, that vulnerability, I mean, insecurity, whatever it is, is partly what makes them, that sensitivity, what makes them? Oh, yeah, because they have to access that when they're acting. I mean, there's nothing better. You know, that's what blows me away when I see actors doing the acting and really transforming into a character and into storytelling and being vulnerable and being emotional on the fly. I can't do that. I mean, I'm constantly thinking what I'm saying and ahead of the game. You know, I mean, like, they're allowed to be a little crazy. They're allowed to be a little high-strung because they're so in tune all the time and they're so accessible, you know, when they're acting that I get it. You know, they deserve the grace. You know, give them a break. Bernie, is there anything about you that I haven't asked? You know, I mean, casting is, you know, I would say to anybody out there, it's not just about young actors, but if there's people that want to go into casting and want to know more about what is that as a profession, you know, there's a, the CSA, which is the Casting Society of America, which is a service organ, which is our society of all casting directors for film, television, and theater. And you should go on the website and find out more about it because it's a real booming industry and it's a growing industry. I've just in the last 10 years, not to say that there's a million jobs out there, but there is a place for someone who wants to do that. It's not just after you can't act anymore or can't direct anymore. You know, I've seen so many more young people coming through our office that really want to do this. And I'm always amazed at how did they find out about it? How did you, you know, what made you want to be a casting director? So I would just encourage people to realize that it's a profession and there's a lot of good work there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. We would love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. You can email us at working at slate.com and dig through our first three seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by Jason DeLeon. Our senior producer is Mike Volo, and our executive producer is Andy Bowers. I'm Arun Venegopal. See you next time on Working. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.